Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, Sportsonians. I am Mike Agliloro. I am joined by Cousin David. Cousin David, how you doing tonight? Doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, you know, the fall's almost here, and uh, it's been a good year. Very good. Very good. Uh, well, some things aren't so good, and that's what it, that's what we're here to talk about tonight. <laughs> Coming a little early. Coming a little early. We have the big show on Tuesday, of course, but I wanted to address a certain topic with my New York Metropolitans um, before the big sports zone show, because quite frankly, I, I feel like this is, this is a, a, a longer discussion than we're going to have time to do on the show on Tuesday night. So I wanted to address uh, the boo birds, boo birds. Mets have been hearing the boo birds for a little while as they've completely cratered in this month of August, uh, before the trade deadline, the Mets had as much as a four-game lead on the division. And I, I've been fairly consistent on this team throughout the season. I was enjoying the fact that we were in first place. But I, I said repeatedly I felt like there were flaws with this team, especially the offense. We saw this. We know this team has been hit by, hit by all sorts of injuries. Uh, at one point, they had three starters from their everyday lineup from opening day healthy. The whole rest of the lineup basically went down. Um, and despite that, in the month of June, they were able to keep their heads above water. And I mentioned then, you know, you still got problems with the offense here because a number of players, Michael Conforto, Jeff McNeil, Dom Smith, who have all shown flashes of brilliance in the, in the past and were expected to carry a large part of the offensive load with this team, um, are all enjoying the worst seasons of their entire fucking careers. And it's ridiculous. Another person who is having the worst offensive season of, of his career is Francisco Lindor, the big get of the offseason, the $400 million man. I, I've said throughout the season I wasn't totally losing faith in Lindor, because at the very least, Lindor wasn't just brought here from an offensive standpoint. He was brought here from a leadership standpoint, more on that later, and a defensive standpoint. And I always felt like defensively, which, let's be honest, the defense has been one of the biggest flaws on this team for the last three seasons. He did everything he was supposed to do from that regard. And obviously, the pitching uh, has performed so far above anybody's expectations this year. The fact that the Mets have allowed the second fewest runs in baseball. Somehow the Yankees have allowed fewest. I don't understand that. I'm not happy that they're the team that has now allowed the fewest. We, we can get to that another time, though. But I don't the, either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I looked it up last night. The Yankees have now allowed the fewest runs in baseball. Last night it was they had six less runs allowed than the Mets, and I that makes no sense to me whatsoever. But it's okay. It's not the point here. Um, but anyway, the offense has been shit all season. Like I said, Lindor was finally starting to show some signs of life with the bat before he uh, injured his oblique right around the all-star break. But we all knew if the offense didn't do its job, they were basically holding the line until someone in the NL East woke up. And then the trade deadline comes, and we get Javier Baez. I, in the lead-up to the trade deadline, said I didn't think we needed another bat because, quite frankly, I felt like the problems with the offense were not going to be solved by someone from outside of the organization. I felt you had a fair risk 
bringing someone from outside the organization in and then them falling into the same pitfalls of the rest of the offense and it just being more of the same. I wanted a starting pitcher. Then you heard the calls for Chris Bryant, and I would have been okay with Chris Bryant if we could have gotten a Kyle Hendricks or even a Kyle Davies or someone like that, someone who could adequately fill the void. You're never going to fully fill the void of a Jacob deGrom but someone who could give us innings length. We didn't get that. We got Rich Hill and Javier Baez at the trade deadline. And since the trade deadline, as of right now, the Mets are seven and a half games out of first place. They are in third games. And remember, they were the team that was in first place for three months. So everything came to a head in the month of August. The big 13-game swing that they had playing the Giants and Dodgers, they went 2-11 on that swing. And they haven't been much better since, if I'm being honest. Yes, they've won two or three games to the Washington Nationals, but you know something? Given how the Nationals sold the entire team away, uh, you better be winning two or three games from the Washington Nationals. And they, I, I, I said this last week on the show, until the Mets play the Yankees on September 10th, it's two more series against the Marlins. The Marlins, the proverbial never-ending monkey on our back, and another series against the Nationals. But this is not why we are here tonight. We are here tonight because in the course of yesterday's game that the Mets did win against the Washington Nationals, Javier Baez hits a home run. He's basically been homer or nothing since he got here. He's batting, I believe, 220 since he got to the Mets. And as of right now, the most infamous thing he has done since he came to the Mets is the gift that will live in infamy of him wildly swinging at a pitch that isn't halfway near home plate yet. You've seen that gift, right, Dave? I have. Yeah, it's bad. It's bad. And if nothing changes between now and the end of the season, that's what Javier Baez's tenure as a Met is going to be known for. So he hits a home run in yesterday's game, and he gives the big thumbs down when he's rounding home plate. Why did he give the thumbs down? Lindor also gave the thumbs down. You look, Trevor May is giving the thumbs down. Why are we doing this? What, what, what is this? So the, the reporter asked Baez after the game, why are we doing this? And this is Mike Puma's tweet yesterday. Javier Baez on the thumbs down sign. Mets players have been flashing to the crowd after big hits. To let the fans know when we don't get success, we're going to get booed. So they are going to get booed when we have success. David, those that I, that's not how it works. That's I, I not don't know what to say to that. Works. I don't know what to say to that. <laughs> we're going to start there because, quite frankly, the rest of Baez's quotes here are just ridiculous. And I'm where where is this? I play for the fans, and I love the fans, but if they're going to do that, they're putting more pressure on the team. Oh, poor you. Oh, poor baby. Where's the rest of the tweet? I got, I got the rest. I got the rest of, the, of this ridiculous. We're not machines. We're going to struggle seven times out of ten. It just feels bad. When I strike out and get booed, it doesn't really get to me, but I want to let them know when we're successful, we're going to do the same thing to let them know how it feels. Okay, so apparently it does get to you in some way. Otherwise, you wouldn't be doing this, dumbass. 
if we win together, then we got to lose together, and the fans are a really big part of it. In my case, they got to be better. No, you got to play better, motherfucker. I play for the fans, and I love the fans, but if they're going to do that, they're just putting more pressure on the team, and that's not what we want. Oh, too bad. Oh, that's horrible. Um, I want, you know, I woke up this morning, and I went to work, and Cousin David, I'm going to let you chime in here, but before, I'll let you get the first word on this, because I got a lot to say about this, but the way I want to start this off, I was listening to uh, Boomer and Geo this morning, and I think Sal Licata and Jerry Recco were filling in. And Chris Catino came on to do the uh, the sports um, headlines or whatever. And I guess someone from Twitter had posted this, and I thought the audio was perfect for it. To quote Mayor Lenny from Ghostbusters 2, being miserable and treating people like dirt is every New Yorker's God-given right. Perfect quote for right now. So Cousin Dave, oh, I should say, I mean, we'll start with this. Sandy Alderson threw some gasoline on this fire after that, but why don't you start start with just, just the quotes on that. I love that Ghostbusters quote because it is Mayor Lenny, but it, if if you think about who was mayor in New York City at, the, at that time, it was Mayor Ed Koch, and I could certainly, knowing what I know about Ed Koch, I could certainly see him saying that. So it was funny how they were channeling even the current mayor at the I- current time. Yeah, so um, you there? Yeah, yeah. Were you talking anyway? I was, yeah. All right, good. Uh, give me the cliff note version of it. We'll keep this in. No, no, I was just saying how I kind of love that Ghostbusters quote because um, um, it kind of rem- it, it is Mayor Letty, but it also kind of reminded me of the current mayor, who was the current <laughs> mayor at the time, Ed Koch. Because uh, every, every time I heard that in Ghostbusters, I'm like, they were channeling Ed Koch there. <laughs> they, if I'm not mistaken, his last name in that movie is Lenny Klotch. Right. So, so it I was kind of based on that. Yeah. 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 So, um, no, look, you know, I, I, the Mets, the problem with the Mets is that, you know, it, it goes back to, you know, ancient history in baseball. You know, you don't waste good pitching and they've had the pitching staff has been great it's been phenomenal it's it's been as let's slow down there it's it's been better than expectations it's been good it's it's been better than expectations yes it's been they're this as you said they're the second best team in baseball in you know giving up the runs and good pitching is is really a terrible thing to waste and Mm -hmm. you know unfortunately i and i told you this before earlier i think the mets got the wrong cub um because <laughs> you know you 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 first of all you probably should you probably should have you probably should have got a couple of guys not not just two guys you probably sure. should have got a, a, a series of people maybe sure. three to five because the mets if anybody should have should have actually went for it this year and i'm pretty sure we said earlier in like the season steve Steve Cohen was coming into this season having having not even spent a, a dime yet. So if anybody was going to go for it, it was probably the Mets. Um, and they should have went for it. And I just think they kind of held back. And, and I don't know if that's Andy Alderson. I don't know if it's management in general. I don't know. We're actually never going to find out. We'll, we'll probably never find out for another 10 years. But to address the bias 
situation, the Lindor situation and this whole thing. I, 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 I think this is just some, I mean, look, the long point is probably, and I don't want to seem like I'm justifying Baez's stance here because I'm not, I think he's totally wrong. I think unfortunately, and you probably know this better than me, you know, you're a Met fan and I'm a Yankee mm-hmm. fan. There's probably just some players that can't play here. And Baez probably would have made that comment for the Cubs and no one would have noticed because the Cub fans cheer every day and Wrigley is sold out every day. And the accountability in Chicago, it's probably there, but it's not as, but it's, but it's not as much as here. New York is where, is where the action is. And it's very, very hard to play. The media is very, very tough here. And it's probably, he's probably not used to that. And he, and he really should have been, Um, you know, he should have realized, look, I'm coming to the media capital of the world. This is where, this is where the media is going to, going to, going to analyze every word I, I say, was it a terrible thing to say? Yes. Because guess what? The fans pay you and you play for the fans. Mm. Period. Yeah. Period. And, and, and pretty much like you said, I don't think he's hitting 220. I looked it up a couple minutes before I came on air. I think he's actually hitting 210. But 210. Oh. I was being, op- who cares? was being optimistic then. Okay. Yeah. So, you know what? Who cares? 210, 220. You know what? You're actually hitting that. You should keep you. Sh- you should be keeping your head down. And any time the media talks to you, team is team has got to get better. I actually got to be better. We're actually going to get better. I'm working every day. Those are the only things that should be coming out of his mouth when you're hitting two ten, and you're the big trade acquisition coming from the Mets. Those are the mm-hmm. things that should be coming out of his mouth. Yeah. Anything else is just dumb. Mm-hmm. Anything else is just not needed. And this and this comment was a big not needed. Yeah. Well, so here's the thing. I've been pretty consistent on where I felt the Mets were. I wasn't necessarily negative, I think, even though I know Dave and uh, Eric were getting on me for not uh, enjoying things. During the season, I think back in June, they said that it was just like, I'm fine with where we're at, but we got to get better. Otherwise, we're going to get exposed and we've been exposed. But I so I kind of fall in in a moderate sense here because I see the negatives. And at the end of the day, I'm probably one of the people who say, if you feel the need to do that and that's going to galvanize you and you go on a 14 game winning streak, brother, do whatever the fuck you need to do to get your shit together. And I'm fine with it. I don't care about that. Like you brought up earlier um, when we were talking before Todd Frazier, there there was a Yankee fan giving him the thumbs down. It's still a meme out there. And Frazier started doing it to the fans. And they, he took a picture with the guy and the whole thing. And the Yankees had a good time with that one. And they wound up turning it into a postseason appearance a few years ago. This clearly was not the way that situation was handled, is all I'm going to say. And I think it comes from the fact, okay, you brought up Baez on the Cubs. I heard earlier, because I listened to the We Gotta Believe podcast, Kevin Clancy, Clem, 
Barstool podcast, they brought up that Baez probably isn't doing it for himself because he's only been here for three weeks. He's doing it for Francisco Lindor, his buddy, who's been hearing it all season, who only two weeks ago said he was okay being held accountable for people for his offense because he knows he's been bad. So that's interesting right there. But, and I heard this from someone on the WFA, and I think it was either WFN or it was We Gotta Believe. I think it was We Gotta Believe. Lindor had built up a certain amount of credibility in Cleveland because they made a World Series a few years ago with him being one of the lead guys. Baez had credibility in Chicago because he was on the team that broke the curse in 2016. So you say if he makes these comments in Chicago, it probably goes under the radar. I think people would be more forgiving in those places if they have the years they're currently having because credibility was built up on Lindor's part and Baez was on the curse breakers. You come to New York here, you got to start over. And you know what you're getting in New York. I'm sorry, New York is plain and simple. Sports fans as a whole are crazy. New York sports fans are a whole other level of crazy. Okay, we're all fucking nuts. Okay? When CeCe Zabathia joined the Yankees in 2009, he went one and three his first month here. And I'm on the phone with a buddy of mine who's a Yankee fan, and he's telling me it's the worst free agent signing the team ever made. Uh, he would have taken anybody else. He didn't want Sabathia, and all Sabathia did was be a major part of the team that wound up winning the World Series in 2009. You come to New York, you know if you don't produce, you're getting booed. That's just the way it is. That's just the way it is. Now, I don't think this is necessarily about fans who boo at the ballpark. The problem is this whole thing is basically a Twitter feud that has played out in real life. Because, again, New York sports fans are crazy. New York sports fans are ridiculous. And Met fans are basically like the battered abuse victim, just battered and battered and battered years on end, and they freak out over everything. And because you now have Twitter, you have players getting harassed, family members threatened, and you have a bunch of other shit you have to deal with that isn't just simple booze from the fan base. So I look at both sides on this, and I don't think any side is entirely right here. The problem is... If you're an athlete, if you don't produce, you get booed. You don't want them to boo you? Do well. Because in New York, unlike any other state and unlike any other fan base, they'll boo the shit out of you when you do badly. But that signifies a passionate fan base. And that passionate fan base is just as passionate in the other direction. Because if you win in New York, you go from being a GOAT to immortalize as a legend very fucking quickly. Why do you think Yankee fans don't totally hate Alex Rodriguez? Because he finally got his shit together one year and helped lead that team to the 2009 World Series. If he never won a World Series, New York fans would have held the, held the fucking door for him when Cashman was trying to throw him out back in 2013, 2014, when the whole steroid scandal came out. You know what I mean? Winning no, it solves no, a true. lot of things. Oh, go ahead, come David. No, no, but and not to cut you off, but and I agree with you, it works both ways. Because I remember 
I forgot what year it was, but Derek Jeter was having a terrible start to the year. He was hitting like 195 late May. Mm. And it, it was definitely later on in his career. It, I mean, it wasn't it it wasn't the last couple of years, but he was he was he was still hitting 300. But the fans were cheering him to get a hit. Like they were rooting for him to break out of the slump because they knew that he had a history of playing mm-hmm. well and playing hard. And me and you both know he ran to first hard every single play, regardless of where he hit the ball. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I think the problem is that, look, whether Baez is doing this for Lindor, whether whether they're knowingly doing it for each other, whether they're not knowingly doing it for each other, guess what? Lindor signed that contract. He chose to he chose to be here. He could have been look, he got no, well, I he just want to throw. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I just want to throw in real quick. In that week lead up before he signed the contract, how many Met fans were pissed off that he didn't want to sign the contract and were like, "Oh, you ain't really a superstar. You this and that. You don't want to take the money. You don't want to do this." He saw the worst of New York sports fans in that week lead up before he signed the contract. At any point there, you could have said, "Nah, the money's not worth it. I don't think I'm gonna like this here." You didn't do that. You took the money. Guess what comes right. with it? Go and ahead. look, you, you, look. Any team could trade any player at any time, right? Mm-hmm. If Lindor did not want to come here, he probably could have told. He probably could have told worked worked the back channels with Cleveland and said, "Look, I I don't want to go to the Mets," and that could have got back to the Mets in in, in some ways or you know, in some ways, and maybe the Mets don't make the trade. None of that happened. He got traded to the Mets. He signed the contract. He signed, he signed here to be long-term, right? He also, he also got his buddy. Hayes is now a Met for the time being. I think he's a free agent. If you could yeah, he is. If I'm wrong. After this year, right? I'm going to, I'm going to go out on a limb here. Lynn, Lindor is probably going to lobby for them to sign him long term. So, you know, you actually you actually got you actually got your buddy playing with you, but you both are still hitting two hundred. Like like, both of you should be keeping your heads down and just playing and letting the fans say whatever they want. Mm-hmm. But they're mm-hmm. not doing that, and I don't understand the strategy. I don't get it. I don't. I don't, I don't, I don't know if it's arrogance. I don't know if it's Baez telling Lindor like, oh, you know, I actually have a world championship and the fans shouldn't be doing this. I don't, I really don't know how I, how I, how like they do things in, in the Chicago Cub land, but that's not how, but that's not how like we do things here. Mm-hmm. A-Rod won a championship, as you said, in 2009. A-Rod still got booed. After that year, when he wasn't playing well, so well, sure, but I'm just saying it was it was a it was a lot more tolerable after that World Series. I guarantee you that. Um, But I want to I want to say this: Um, the thing is, this is to me, and to go back to like overall picture here, 
This is a culmination of a lot of things. It's the fact that the offense has been dog shit. It's the fact that the Mets on Twitter or the Mets fans on Twitter have been just ridiculous all season towards these guys. And again, we shouldn't feel sympathy for a bunch of millionaires who are getting paid everything and athletes who should be able to handle the criticism. Twitter brings things to a whole new level. So I see both sides on that. But when you look at what the Mets have done, you have a manager in Louis Rojas who every time he gives a press conference is no passion. And, you know, I, 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 you know, I hear, I have to hear all the complaints about Aaron Boone from you and your lovely wife. I take him over Louis Rojas in half a heartbeat because this is the guy we chose because Beltran was involved in the scandal. Just like our current GM is only the acting GM because we hired a pervert. You know what I'm saying? It's the, it's the second fiddle. It's the second string. He's not a real manager. He's been exposed this year. He shouldn't be back next year. You have Pete Alonso after after game saying everybody should be happy because we get to watch baseball. No. The life of a diehard sports fan is pain, especially if you're the fan of a long-suffering team like this team. Okay? It's no fun watching when your team loses by one run every fucking game. It's no fun when you know that the biggest problem in the last two years has been the pitching staff and the bullpen, and you know they've done their job, and the offense hasn't done a goddamn thing. It's no fun watching when your team loses all the time. There's going to be frustration for that, and it's okay for fans to be frustrated from that. Nobody's advocating for the fans who, you know, completely harass the players and threaten family members and shit like that. That's, that should be weeded out of all forms of society. So we get all this. And this is a situation where, where, unfortunately, nobody looks good here. And then you have Sandy Alderson, his statement, which I know this was meant with good intentions, but unfortunately, this kind of brought things to a bigger level than it really needed to be. In a post-game press conference today, Javi Baez said that the thumbs-down gesture during the game was a message to fans recently have booed him and other players for poor performance. These comments and any gestures by him or the, or the players with a similar intent are totally unacceptable and will not be tolerated. Met fans are understandably frustrated over the team's recent performance. The players in the organization are equally frustrated, but fans at City Field have every right to express their own disappointment. Booing is every fan's right. Mets will not tolerate any player gesture that is unprofessional in its meaning or is directed in a negative way towards our fans. I will be meeting with our players and staff to convey this message directly. Met fans are loyal, passionate, knowledgeable, and more than willing to express themselves. We love them for every one of these qualities. Now, on the surface, there's nothing inherently wrong with some of what is said here, except for the fact that, as Jeff Passan put it, New York Mets just put out a statement in which the team president says it, it's okay for fans to boo. It's not okay for players to mock the fans for booing, and there's going to be a team meeting about this. Think about that. You came out, you threw all your players under the bus because obviously you have to satisfy your customer base, but you just threw basically your entire 25-man roster under the bus. If you think about it, the better move would have been to keep your fucking mouth shut to quote Clem. 
uh, from Barstool, and we got to believe, ah, Sandy, falling into the mistakes of his old Met bosses by putting gasoline on the fire by issuing a statement after an embarrassing moment instead of just letting it wash away in the 24-hour news cycle where we don't bat an eyelash even when aliens are basically being accepted as facts. He's got a point there, and Sandy should have just kept his mouth shut. I think oh, when no, Steve... I don't when, know. I, I, ahead, I, well, let finish, me say when Steve finish. Cohen finally reacted to, to this, he said, these are young guys, and sometimes we forget they are on a public stage and can make mistakes. They hit the third rail, though, by messing with the fans. It's unacceptable, and hopefully this is a teaching moment, and they will learn from this. I think that statement is a better statement than the one that Sandy Alderson said, because you're basically saying the same thing, but you're not quite pushing them under as it is. You know what I mean? And again, I feel like some of this shit should have been handled a little bit more behind closed doors, because what you now have, and what I'm sure I'm going to have to hear tomorrow night, the Mets are back being a dumpster fire where you have the players declaring war on the fans and the front office siding with the fans over the guys that they brought in. So go ahead. Well, I, I just want to add to Steve Cohen tweeted something also. Um, I like, um, I like, the, I, like, I, I liked it better the when the jerseys. only, yeah, I liked yeah. it better when the only controversies we had were about the black jerseys. Yeah. I, I, I think Sandy Olson hit it right on the head. I, I don't really see the I don't see the big deal about criticizing the players. Um, the Yankees a couple of weeks ago, even though I disagree with it because I thought it was a management and a manager issue. Um, Prime Cashman, uh, Hale Steinbrenner, basically came out and said it's the players' fault. And I hate to say it, but because I was wrong, but ever since ever since that statement, the Yankees have taken off uh you could say it, you could also say it was the trades of getting gallo and rizzo even though gallo doesn't really have a, a good average right now but ever since that statement the yankees have taken off i don't see the big deal about sandy oldest and criticizing the mets the mets have gone nine and nine and twenty in august july and late july and august they don't have uh, lindor is hitting 224 uh, Baez is Baez is hitting 210 with the Mets. Uh, your your highest average player is uh, I, I believe it I believe is Alonzo Nim- is hitting 260. Well, Nimmo's well, Nimmo, hitting yeah. Nimmo has yeah, but Nimmo has like 120 at bats, right? Mm. So I'm it's sure. Like, I, I, I I I don't see the big deal. The Mets are the Mets aren't good right now, and they mm. and you know look. Sandy's probably gone after this year. He should so, be. And so, so, I, so should Rojas. No, and so should Rojas. And look, I could probably look how much how much leverage is Francisco Lindor going to have when he lobbies and says, "Look, I actually want you to sign my buddy Baez." But you hit two twenty. Yeah, I don't so... think I don't. I I'm sorry to cut you off here, but. No, I, yes. say, I, I don't think that has really gained him any credibility, and I don't think the the way this bias thing is working out, I definitely don't think that's buying him any credibility here either. No. The bottom line is if you don't want the fans to boo you, play better. Win, right. Winning forgives everything. 
Winning is what it's all about. That's all anybody here wants. Picking a fight with your fan base because they don't like the fact that you're not playing well, that's unwinnable. At the same token, the Mets fan base kind of, you know, there's a reason why they were voted the worst. We were voted the worst fan base in all of baseball a few years ago. And unfortunately, this this whole saga has kind of, you know, shown that to be true. And I, I want to, my, my final point here, I feel like this can be broken up into two groups of people. And I know you don't have social media and I know you don't really follow this. You have the we got to believe side of things with KFC and Clem who have preached positivity this year because it is the first year of Steve Cohen. And then you have the Frank the Tanks of the world, Frank the Tank Fleming, who I am a fan of. I like Frank the Tank because I get the pessimism and everything. Frank the Tank was ready to say that this season the Mets are going to be 1-51 and after the third game. Okay? There is a, there is a meme on social media, uh, and I was watching the game that this happened in. I think this was the third or fourth game of the season. As the story goes, KFC, Kevin Clancy, he's in a meeting in the bar, Barstool office, and the Met game is going on, and he hears Frank yelling and screaming, getting pissed off the whole time. And he comes out of the meeting thinking the Mets gave up five runs. And he looks, and the score is still tied between the Mets and whoever the other team they were playing was. <laughs> so the, the meme that has gone around on social media is they're watching the game together. And everything that is happening, Frank is yelling and screaming, this team sucks, this team does that. And the meme is just Kevin Clancy going, shut the fuck up, Frank. Shut the fuck up, Frank. And it's hysterical. But you've really seen a battle between these two entities. And, of course, now Frank the Tank has been on a hashtag Frank was right thing since the Mets season is cratered. And the truth is, Neither side is totally right here. Neither side is totally wrong here. Both sides have points that they are right on. I I think the one thing I want to say, and I feel like where the disconnect comes in, you mentioned how when Steve Cohen came in, and we talked about it before, if you were going to go for it and you were going to spend money, this was the year you, you thought they would do it because he's the guy who came in having not lost a dime during the pandemic. So why wouldn't you go for it? Well, Cohen decided to take a little bit more of a conservative approach, even though is it really that conservative when you consider he put over $700 million in contract offers out on the table and Springer went for the sixth year, $150 million with the Blue Jays. Springer, who was hurt for most of the first two months of the season, which would have coincided with a lot of the other Mets being out for the first couple months of the season. Trevor Bauer, bullet, Mets, yeah. Trevor Bauer, Mets dodged a bullet with him. That's the JT Re- they yeah. JT Real Muto. Yeah, right. In hindsight, maybe, maybe, considering how poorly McCann has done this year, I was in favor of signing McCann over Real Muto because I didn't believe Real Muto would be worth a full five-year contract. Real Muto's been good this year, and McCann has been terrible. Let's be honest here. But the other moves the Mets have made, 
in terms of the Taiwan Walkers, the Kevin Pillars, the Jonathan VRs. These have been good moves. Things you don't nor didn't normally see out of the Wilpon left led front office. Whereas they wouldn't go after any of the big names. They would go after your minor league free agent lottery tickets, maybe, and try to Jackie Bradley eh. Jr. Jackie Bradley Jr., no? Yeah, I mean, he was a little bit more than a minor league free agent. He signed for like $17 million. But if your point is that's the guy they would have gotten and passed it off and acted like it was the greatest thing on the face of the planet, you have a point there. The fact is nobody comes in and cleans up everything in the first season. This offseason is going to be a big one for Cohen, and he's got to nail everything. In terms of who you keep and who you letting go from this front office, do you bring Rojas back? You better not bring Rojas back. If you do replace him, who do you replace him with? Do you get Theo Epstein? And I'll tell you this, I'm going to say this, and I may wind up saying this at one point on the actual big show. You know, Dave and Eric could look at me as crazy for thinking Aaron Rodgers is going back to the Super Bowl. Um, the moment Eric said on our show, that Theo Epstein is going to the Yankees. That was the moment where his mouth was talking, but his brain was looking at him saying, we do not sanction this buffoonery. I just want to say that one. Theo Epstein will not end up with the Yankees. I'm sorry. He will end up with the Mets long before he ends up with the Yankees. Don't know if you agree or disagree on that one, but I thought of that line a week ago and I had to throw it in at some point. Anyway, um, the bottom line here is nobody in this situation looks good from the front office to Baez to Lindor, who now has some serious question marks on his leadership. If the guy you're bringing in is basically trying to fight battles for you that you probably don't need to fight if you did what you were brought here to do and probably shouldn't be fighting because the idea that the player is going to take on the entire fan base of any team is the most asinine thought process I've ever heard of in my entire life. As much as there's a faction of this fan base that really does deserve, deserve this, and I want to point out, Frank the Tank in no way is one of the... He goes too far, but he's not someone who's harassing Met fans and their families and threatening and doing all these things. Now, unfortunately, because there's a lot of crazy people out there, there probably are members of that who are Frank the Tank fans, which looks bad on him. But, you know, that's not his doing. There are idiots out there, like the idiots who jump the rail at an AEW event and say they're doing it for Jim Cornette. You know, Cornette wouldn't want anybody to do that. You know, Cornette would be the first one talking about that guy needs to get his ass beat if he does that. You know well, what I'm talking about, though. What, 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 uh, this no, happened about a month ago. This happened about a month ago. Some crazy fan tried to get at Chris Jericho and said he was doing it because of Jim Cornette. Um, and Cornette came out on his show and said, if you've ever listened to Cornette talk about the days where him and the Midnight Express had to fight through crowds who had switchblades and rocks yeah. and chains and were trying to beat the shit out of them because they tar and tarred and feathered uh, Magnum T.A., or because of shit they would do to the Rock and Roll Express. Cornette's not in favor of fans getting involved, jumping the rail, and going after wrestlers. That's not something he does. So, I, 
nobody looks good in this situation. But unfortunately, until we get to this offseason and we see what Cohen's reaction to all of this is and what he's able to do, we're gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna have to hear this. This looks no different than the Will Ponds. I'm gonna have to hear this. I'm gonna have to hear that the dumpster fire is raging again. You know that's coming, and I don't like any of it. And I think all of them need to shut the fuck up and just play baseball. Play baseball. Don't just play baseball. Play baseball to win the fucking games. Don't say, oh, we're working really hard. We're doing this. We're doing the right things in practice. Nobody gives a fuck what you do in practice. Win the fucking game. Stop wasting this pitching that is going to be gone the second you finally get to shoot your shit together offensively. It's you true. need to win these goddamn games. And this stretch right here, you still have a chance in this season. It's a very small chance. But you got all these games against the Marlins and the Nationals. And yes, saying you should beat the Marlins, I feel like I should just put my head in a sliding glass door and just fucking well, slam it. I really do. But given, huh? Yeah. No, what? I was just going to ask you a question. I was just going to ask you a question on that. Do you want the, I mean, I don't want to sound cynical here because it's going to be a tough offseason. Do you want the Mets to make basically the playoffs? Because I think if they did, it would be great. But in a, in another sense, would it would it make Cohen's would it make Cohen's job tougher um, to answer all these off off season questions? Do you well, get rid for of the, the manager? For you the know? record, it's I tough. think it's a, I think it's a long shot they make the playoffs. I think it's a long shot. But like, what are we talking here? Are we talking a first round exit? Are we talking? I mean, they wouldn't make the wild card. They'd have to win the division to get in. So it would be a first-round exit. If you make the playoffs and it's a first-round exit, did Rojas really do anything? Because I'm sorry, it's hard to look at what's going on here with the players as anything other than an indictment of Rojas's leadership. Anyone who says Rojas has completely lost his team and they don't respect him, I, I can't argue with you on that. Because yeah, the, idea but, that you're, uh, the idea that you're going to attack the fans when you're playing well, when you're playing badly... Like this, like Rojas has no control over what's going on here. He's a substitute teacher. You won't get this red, uh, this this reference. He is Mr. Startup. Mr. Startup was a substitute teacher I had in middle school and high school who was a 90-year-old man who every time he came in, you know what would happen? Mass fucking chaos. Oh, my God. One time it was science class. I was in eighth grade. Mr. Startup was the substitute. What we were doing in science class was we were doing this project to um, to make a structure out of like tooth, uh, like popsicle sticks and straws and stuff to drop an egg out of a window. The day nobody ever broke any eggs until the day Mr. Startup came in. Five eggs got broken. Two students got into a giant egg fight. Uh, the, 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 the real teacher had a set of, you know, those metal balls, the five metal balls, you hit the one, yeah. the other one goes, yeah. okay. Those were tied in a knot by the end of the fucking day. It was oh a disaster. And this is only one day that this guy was a substitute teacher. That is Louis Rojas in a fucking nutshell and rest is pe rest in peace. I'm sure that guy is long dead, 
I probably shouldn't be bringing up that name, but I don't care. Like, honestly, every time you have a manager who has no idea what the fuck he's doing or a head coach, it's Mr. Startup to me. So, no. Yeah, yeah, Go yeah ahead. but, you know, but, it, you know, but that's part of the problem because if the Mets do make the playoffs, even though it is a long shot, um, they're going to have to do well the next month and if they do make the playoffs it's it's going to be a pretty miraculous turnaround so rojas will be able to claim credit for that if that happens that's my point because i i get it what do you do then i get it but i'm not going to root against my team for something like that we're not we're like it's not like i don't think anybody ever roots against the team normally but it's like you know, you don't, you're not rooting for high draft picks if you lose in Major right. League Baseball because it doesn't. The draft doesn't work that way in baseball like it does in basketball or football or something like that. There's no benefit to it that way. I to root against the team just because I want to see Louis Rojas fired. I think you look at his in-game decisions. I think you look at the way the team is, all of it, and I think. I would like to think if the Mets are able to galvanize all of this and make the playoffs, you will look at it more as the players finally did whatever they had to do to get themselves right, as opposed to Rojas managing things correctly, motivating his team, because he's not a fucking motivator. I'm sorry, there's nothing about him through the last year and a half that says this guy knows how to motivate his team. What would you base he's that on? He's just a body. He's, he's just, a body. He's just a body. Yeah, yeah. He's just a body. So, no, I don't agree with that. But anyway, I think that'll do it here us uh, for us here tonight. Um, I will say once again, um, this all goes away if two weeks from now the team wins ten in a row. This does. If the Mets get to that September tenth through twelfth series against the Yankees, and they have destroyed the Marlins six times and destroyed the, the, the Nationals three more times, this story's in the rear view and doesn't mean anything anymore. But anytime you're trying to pick a fight with a fan base that probably should chill the fuck out every once in a while, anytime you're trying to fight a fan base, you're going to lose. And you're going to create a reputation for yourself that maybe gives other teams pause before they offer you a $200 million contract next year. You know what I mean? So, with that, yeah, with that, cousin David, do you have any final thoughts? Uh, if I was any of the Mets players, I agree with you. Don't fight the fan base, especially if you're hitting 200. Keep your yeah. head down and say very little, and just pray that the and pray that the team does better over the next month, but say very, very little. <laughs> and don't smile. I don't give a no, fuck if you I don't give a fuck if your nickname is Mr. Smile. If you're smiling when you're hitting 220, don't get mad when the fans get mad. Because you got no right to. All right. You can you can be enjoying yourself and yeah, we all know you're making a lot of money. Do something to earn that money. Because at the end of the day I haven't given up on Francisco Lindor. None of this is a good look on him, though. And it'll make fans wonder, you know, depending on what he does the rest of the season, 
goes into next year when that when that big contract kicks in, if he's hitting a buck ninety at the end of April, this shit's gonna start up again. This shit won't go away. So with that, thank you, cousin David. Thank you, everybody no listening. Thank you, everybody listening to us on all of our various podcasting outlets. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Anchor, Bullhorn. Thank you for listening to us, no matter how you're listening to us. I am Mike Aguilera. We will see y'all tomorrow night for the Big Show Sports Hour.